0: So, what else is the u n doing to us
1: well i I want to go back to uh you know we talked about the c f R members and how the Rhodes Scholarship and how um, they got the idea of it some of the um some of the other means that they use are foundations, and a lot of money is run through foundations. There was a a book written by Renee A. Warmser. And it's called Foundations, Their Power and Influence. And you can still get that online. And they basically go through every foundation. And when you begin to see the common denominators of the left-wing supported goals being implemented through the funding, uh, dumping f- you know millions of money into these foundations, Carnegie, Heritage, Rockefeller, um, I mean, they're all there in in the book, and you can basically break. He breaks it down into whether it be care or um, Raza, La Raza, all of the different left's goals that that are being filled uh, fulfilled right before our eyes in this day and age.
0: So, Kim Fletter, what else can we discuss when it comes to what the United Nations? And what, how is their push for global governance uh, continuing to work in today's world?
1: Well, let's start with um, – let, let me digress just for a minute because this is a really important component, especially with what's happening um, with the infiltration and mass migration, depopulation re- – population redistribution. Um, Getting back to the 1945 Charter, a lot of folks need to know that uh, the OIC, which is the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, is one of that has the biggest voting block, 57 Muslim-majority countries worldwide—and they have the largest voting bloc at the UN. So um i want I wanna start there just for a minute because we have a a real situation on our hand hands with the infiltration of of Islam and Muslims and camps. you know Martin Moyer came out on Fox News not long after Obama got in, and he showed I believe there were thirty five camps across our nation. We have two that I know of in Georgia, and I have talked to the local police. And I know the FBI has visited the adjoining property owners and basically told them to let them know if there is anything going on. But otherwise, they pretty much are kind of a, like an off-limits area. And when you think about the loss of our sovereignty, that, that speaks volumes. You know, how would you feel if you were the homeowner that was adjacent to this property? I did some research on one of the camps, and I um, I know who owns it, I know how long they've owned it, and I know some of the things that have gone on inside the camp, and I asked a former CIA agent, um, actually he, is, he um, is has come out publicly, his name is Kevin Shipp, and he's got a, a several books, but uh, I encourage your listeners to get his book, research his name, because he has has uh, done a lot of public speaking about this and I happened to talk to him this past February and asked him about this particular camp because I had heard that it was originally created for CIA training but is now been turned over to the Muslim population so um it is real it is here and we need to be on guard because that takes me to the United connects me to the United Nations as far as population redistribution. When you go back through their documents, that is their goal. You remember if you want to destroy a country, you have to level the playing field. And the mass migrations that are taking place around the world are are planned. They're right in their documents.
0: Well, as you know, what's going on in Europe with Muslim infiltration, Muslim immigration and infiltration in Europe, has created areas of major cities that are no-go zones for Westerners. Uh, And they are basically areas that are controlled by the Muslim groups there. Uh, They are under Sharia law. And... It is not, it is a hostile area for non Muslims. And we right. have several of those areas in our country as well, do we not?
1: And our news media is keeping every bit of this from us. You know, uh, if you really want to research and start seeing killings and different, you know, things that are going on across our nation, uh, Martin Moyer is, is the only one that I knew of back in, I think it was 09 or 10, that came out. And you, could, you can research um, his website and, and actually see quips of videos where he, he sent undercover agents inside some of these camps. But, you know, when you, when you research get, getting back to the UN and you connect those dots of, of population redistribution, you know, it reminds me of the Hegelian dialectic because you create the problem and now you've got to come in and, and fix the problem. So you've got to take care of all these refugees. Well, you know, a lot of folks don't know this, but on our line item on our Georgia budget, I think it's it used to be around line item 2,500, um, funded refugee resettlement. And Clarkston, Georgia, as most people probably know, especially those that live in that area, Clarkston, Georgia, is our hub, one of our hubs. And the landscape is actually changing. And they have created ministries to go into churches and deceive and there's one called piece of thread and that organization actually wants you to help fund the refugees and so you come into the church and you offer the program and your women get involved because they want to help the refugees and they create they they sew purses or whatever you know whatever else And they ally, they can actually go down to Clarkston and show uh, sew the purses with these women. But they're coming into your church house and wanting to get you involved in ministry. And so these are deceptive things that we need to be aware of because the church doesn't have discernment anymore.
0: So 1992, the beginning of the formal program of Agenda 21, What did that mean for world governance? Why is that such an important onset for the UN program? Well, in
1: 1992, you know, it started in 72. They have conferences every 20 years, but they have many in between. But those are the big where they're going to implement policy through the members, all of the signatory members. And so in 1992, they came up with five major documents, and we all know Agenda 21, and that um, that Agenda 21, a lot of folks don't realize, is for the whole 21st century. Their goal is just like Islam. It's a very slow process, and they're willing to wait for it. And so you have your two tentacles of infiltration in communism. You have your revolutionary side, and then you have your incremental side. And regarding that... Agenda 21 was considered a conspiracy theory and they're working that plan anytime you use that term uh, it's so frequent that you're called a conspiracy theorist so i i researched i actually looked up what is a conspiracy theorist and it says it's a has four characteristic features number 1 groups not isolated individuals Number two, illegal or sinister aims. Three, orchestrated acts. And four, secret planning, not public discussion. So I had to come to the conclusion that I am not a conspiracy theorist, that I am exposing a conspiracy. Now, let me quote you the Italian Communist Party, Antonio Gramsci. He said, Communism is not an ideology in which one believes. Rather, it is a criminal conspiracy in which one enlists. So getting back to the U.N. and the five documents that came out of that. We are exposing the conspiracy because it is being foiled on not just the United States, but on the entire world. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum join the battle on our website www.drdansfreedomforum.com. the right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom I just
0: love to hear that old man sing. Wait. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie, man, I get joy in everything. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning.
2: On you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
0: My guest is Kim Fletter. Well, how else does the United Nations... What are some of the other tentacles of the United Nations... In how they are infiltrating our government, branches of our government, uh, in our country. What what are some of the other tentacles that they are using?
1: Well, as far as as uh, tentacles, I, I as we progress through this conversation, I want to get into some of their treaties because as we open up the treaties, uh, let's let's start with say 1945. Because when you start looking looking at the treaties, they echo the same goals over and over. Um, let me just start with this 1945. Their preamble basically states, to save succeeding generations from the scourge of war. Now, it was all about peace and connecting the nations. And later they changed it to the environment in 1972 and 92 and 2012. But it began as as getting the nations together for peace. Their preamble also states about human rights. What are we dealing with today in human rights? All of the cultural divide that is going on with tolerance. Uh, another one, it's, This is, I'm reading right out of their preamble, promote social progress. Here's another, practice tolerance. Does that sound like today and the things that we're dealing with? Another one, employ international machinery to promote economic and social advancement. Now, during this interview, I'm going to bring up the Economic and Social Council, which is one of the six main arms of the UN. They are the ones that are behind the comprehensive planning all the way down to the local level. But I found it interesting in Chapter 9 and 10 of that document, It says it's dedicated to an international economic and social cooperation and a council. They create councils for a lot. So when I hear that word, I kind of back up a little bit and want to take pause and uh, do some investigating. Uh, Another thing that was in chapter 9 and 10, observance of human rights and fundamental freedoms for all. Now, I've had some conversations with some of my family members about these freedoms that everybody thinks that they deserve that's coming through our education system. And I thought, you know, you cannot legislate the heart, doctor. You cannot ever legislate the heart. That is between you and God. And that is exactly what they're trying to do. Um, another thing that they mention in that chapter is economic, social, social, cultural, education, health, and also to make recommendations to the United Nations. They also have specialized agencies. So they're already setting up their goals for non-governmental organizations to do their bidding all the way down to the local level, creating public-private partnerships. DOT has what is called the 3P Programme. So you have your public-private partnerships that partner using federal funding, which basically take your little businesses and put them out of business. And they do their bidding, destroying our sovereignty and creating policy and legislating without our permission. We're not even electing
0: these people. That's one of the important the important points about regionalism is that In our government, we elect our local representatives, county commissions, town councils, and the like. When the UN creates an NGO, a non-governmental organization, which is a regional organization, and all of the individual entities send representatives to the NGO, the NGO then makes decisions that are then cast back down upon local governments. So the local governments, each local government had no part in the decision, even though they had a representative there. But they had no part in actually making the decision. That is called uh, taxation without representation, which is why we had our War of Independence, one of the reasons, of course. And that's the problem with the Regional organizations that are all really set up by the U.N. They all are connected to the U.N. From one regionalism, one regional authority to a next bigger regional authority to the next biggest regional authority, eventually to the U.N.
1: You know, Dr., they don't – people don't typically understand about NGOs, and I'm glad you explained that. And they were created in 1948. They were actually set up by the United Nations, sanctioned by the United Nations. So, you know, it's like with anything, uh, like with the Council on Foreign Relations. If George Soros is a member or if an entity that's evil is behind something, why would you want to have any part of it? You know, folks, let me digress here to the CFR membership. You know, there's there's a lot of great people that uh, a lot of people watch on Fox News and other... Agencies that have men that are in the CFR, and so I have to ask myself: Okay, were they are they really great people? Why? But why would you want to be a member of something that George Soros is a member of? You know. And let me digress. CFR now has their PR side. You know, having all their movie stars in, which you know, takes you uh, kind of lightens it up a little bit. You know, they're 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 not so bad.
0: Well, I'm not so sure about that because <laughs> there are a lot of mu- movie stars currently who are um, saying some, making some public statements that are kind of, uh, I don't know what adjective to use.
1: <laughs> exactly. But I, I uh, do want to mention, you know, since we're talking about the, the UN, the UN actually has three logos. And the logos are basically Economic Prosperity, ecological integrity, and social equity. So it's called the three E's, economic, ecological, and equity. And that's where we're getting a lot of our social justice and everything from today. Um, I found it interesting. You know, I told you that we're going to get into the church and how they've infiltrated into the uh, uh, houses of worship. I found a bulletin in a church that had the three E's, and they're in the same shape as the three E's of the U.N., and it says embrace equip and empower. And so that's just one subtle sign that you see where they have infiltrated. Now I know that you're you're you know a typical person that doesn't know these documents might not spot that. But that's uh, just one one incremental sign. We'll get into more a little more later.
0: I think that's the common thread to me here is that these are all socialist agenda items. One of our problems today is that when, when we were growing up back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, we had a, an example of communism, and we could see what was happening to those people. We grew up knowing that in the Soviet Union, people were starving to death, That the leaders had special stores in which they and they only could shop while everyone else had to line up for hours for one loaf of bread. That they did not have the creature comforts that we have. They did not have nice places to live. They did not have any of the lifestyle uh, that we had in this country. It was apparent to us. We saw it. It was visible. It was visible to all of us and that's gone now. And so we have generations of young people today who can be easily tantalized by the concept of socialism because they don't understand that it does not
1: work. Exactly. And the the training that that they have received through the Common Core curriculum and taking away their critical thinking skills just makes them more dependent on the state, as you said earlier.
0: Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will return right after this quick break.